Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. Today we've just got just like a whole bunch of books. Just We're just cleaning inventory here. We're doing some house cleaning. We've got supplements. Supplements coming out of our ears. It's a supplement spectacular today on System Mastery. It's System Mastery. I'm your host, Jeff, here as always, all by myself in the studio. Absolutely no one with me. And you're joining me for a one hour sonic journey where I will definitely not step over myself or falter or just start mumbling about bullshit at some point. It's going to all make perfect sense all the way through. I'm kidding. Here's John. Yay! <laughs> Hi, John. Woo! <laughs> Thank goodness you're here because I'm not cut out for this. No. <laughs> you shouldn't be in front of a microphone. What is this? It's been six years now, and no one's told me I can't. I mean, I've told you multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one listens to you. It's true. <laughs> I mean, thousands of people listen to you, but they listen to you for me. They listen to me for me, for you, for me. Hold on. Wait, I'm almost... Is that some kind of sex thing? I feel like that might be some kind of sex thing. Oh, it's all some kind of sex thing. Hang on. Let me artfully light your cigarette real quick. Yeah, there we go. Lean in real close with that lighter. Mm -hmm. Let's get some synthy jazz music playing in the background. (laughs) Here you go, buddy. Let me light that cigarette, which is definitely a dick. (laughs) Ow, my dick. (laughs) Don't worry. It's a disembodied dick. Ow, my disembodied dick. Uh, okay, so uh, what are we going to be doing here, John? Today we are talking supplements. That's right. We, over the years, have... When in the course of human events. We've gathered quite a few supplements for some of the RPGs that we've read. Some are just, we reviewed something and someone went, oh my god, I found a thing for this, and sends it to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we just get them... When we get the RPG as well, because they're just there. Yeah, like, for example, I think there's a Deliria supplement that someone just sent us to us at the same time as Deliria. Yeah. Uh, we just, every once in a while, people, or, or also, I think I have, like, 11 Paranoia books. Oh, yeah. Because someone was just dumping a collection. No, I've got a, a ton of supplements for chill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. that's, that's a rarity right there. I think I have the entirety of that Blue Planet edition as well. Oh, well, there you go. So we have a lot of we have a lot of supplements floating around out there that make up parts of the vast library of system masteriums. And we do want to use every part of the buffalo here, so we are going to review these goddamn supplements. That's why every seventy three or so episodes. <laughs> That's right, like clockwork. <laughs> I actually don't remember when the first one was. <laughs> I think it was. It's been more than seventy three episodes. I'm pretty sure it was the episode was in the forties when we did the first supplement. Oh yeah, we, way back in the in, 1940s. nineteen forties, we pulled our pants right up to our nipples and we got to work reviewing books. Yeah, way way back in the nineteen forties. <laughs> uh, we were all like, "Listen, you chowder heads." Ah, one more thing you have to know about our boys overseas is that they love the works of additional Star Trek supplement novels. <laughs> Boy, howdy, <laughs> do they. <laughs> Hungry for them, they are. Don't worry, boys. Betty Grable sends her regards. Oops, that's all she sends. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, you're welcome. That's some 1940s stuff. That is some 1940s right there for you. You got anything you wanted to do from the 40s? Nope. No, it's just me? Okay. Nope, that's just fair. you. All right. 
So um, I tried a couple different things to find a supplement book worthy. I'm going to be honest, John. I have read three books. My 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 attempt to take a little break and do a short, easy book for this week because our our plan this time was we we're going to try what we similar to how we do our bonus content for the Star Wars Expounded Universe show is we each took books, read them, and our plan is to tell each other stories. Yeah, I mean, sort of the same way we did with Eorus Essence as mm-hmm. well, but compacted down because it's just supplements instead of you know an entire nonsense book of chicanery. Yeah. So we were thinking, okay, that gives us like practically a vacation, two weeks to read a book, then not even a main book, so we don't have to fully understand the combat engine or anything. It's just retreads. This is fantastic. But then every book I picked up and tried was like a supplement book with nothing in it. Yeah, well, and mine was from a game we reviewed so long ago that I was like, well, God damn it, now I need to read the main book again. <laughs> well, let's see. Who, who should go first? Uh, I don't care either way. All right, well, I got a lot of books to get through, so I'll just knock them out real yeah, quick. Yeah, man, knock my, them out the park, Luke. Yeah, so my first thought was I'm kind of enjoying my Star Wars oats these days, so I thought a long time ago a uh, listener was nice enough to send us when we concluded doing our first season of Expounded Universe the West End Games expansion book for Shadows of the Empire. Yeah. And I have, I mean, I have a ridiculous collection of Shadows of the Empire shit at this point because I, I have, like, the game that someone mailed me. I have uh, I have the soundtrack for the game that someone mailed me. I have all the action figures that were released for the game for, for the, uh, the the series. Man, when you say the soundtrack for the game, because all I did was listen to one CD while I was playing it, mm-hmm. my mind immediately started thinking, "Oh yeah, the soundtrack to the game. You know, Space Jam." <laughs> oh yeah, the soundtrack to Mega Man X. Uh, pretty hate machine. <laughs> no, uh, in this case the. <laughs> There actually is an official symphon- or symphony uh, written soundtrack to Shadows of the Empire. Ugh. I may not have pulled this out for you in the past. I've pulled oh, out no. so many things for you in the past. <laughs> and even when I ask you not to, and I get <laughs> HR involved. Well, that's one of the nice things about running an LLC that only has two people in it. Uh, You're the, HR. I'm <laughs> HR. And I'm like, I'll allow it. But I'd better I'll be- have a talk with him. <laughs> I'll allow it. But he better be going somewhere with this. <laughs> And indeed, I am. <laughs> no, uh, I also have all the action figures that are so. And my my brother of all uh, had happened to have a, a Shizor statue, like yeah. an actual like little maquette of Shizor that's a foot high. That's been lived with realistic hair. That's, realistic, yeah. That's been in my. He looks hilarious. He looks like he's he's artfully laughing at a, a joke told at a cocktail party. <laughs> <laughs> so I have. Just a lot of roots in Shadows of the Empire at this point, even though it's garbage and I fucking hate it. Yeah, well. So I thought, let's look at the Shadows of the Empire source book. I mean, honestly, I'm going to say, I didn't even think that WEG Star Wars was still going on at the time Shadows came out. I'm still trying to untangle the complex weave that is how WEG worked and how the EU worked at the time. Because there's stuff in here that, there's like fiction in this book. That is similar to Shadows of the Empire fiction that I'm pretty sure was not written by the same guy. Now, can you give me a way example? <laughs> I'm sorry, I did not read that. <laughs> this isn't a supplement to to uh, Wegg's World. Uh, yeah, I can actually. There's a whole bunch of these. Most of them are big, so it's a little uh, it's a little tricky. But there, there. For example, there's one that's. You remember the Vigos? Uh, we're talking about this. oh yeah, you know the the giant painting. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, no, uh, the, the Vigos, the many yeah. reproductions of the painting of Vigo the Carpathian. Yeah, he's uh, Vigo. 
Everything you're doing is bad. I want you to know this. <laughs> no, the Vigos were the sub lieutenants operating under. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. They, the little or... like sub bosses. Yeah, and, and we we thought it was hilarious because a lot of them had names that were really close to their their uh, species name. So it just kind of felt like a dumb list. It was like it was like it's Bobby and the Rodian and and. And Grumple the Gruntle. Oh, Bobby and the Rodian. <laughs> this is a great show. Canceled way too early. Yeah. Uh, that's not actually true. The Rodian's name is like uh, Dopper or something. It's not, it's not, Dopper. As, it's not as interesting. But but uh, there's, a, there's a thing in here where, okay, well, in the Shadows of the Empire book, there's a scene where all of these Vigo dudes are put around a table while Shizor kind of walks around and talks about how great he is, mm-hmm. which is kind of Shizor's thing. And while he's doing that, Guri walks around behind them like just some sort of game of duck, duck, <laughs> goose is happening. Uh, and he's like, one of you is betrayed. Oh, I should do his, the Shizor voice, I guess. One of you has betrayed me. I know this because I'm colder. More, more calculating. More reptilian. Better indeed. Uh, it, it, Rodian guy was probably like, I'm also reptilian, I think. I'm, I mean, I'm not I sure. I might be. I might probably. Shut up, you. <laughs> Can you do cool sex stinks? Do you, do you have a bed to work out for you? <laughs> no. I can do cool stinks. <laughs> no, I sleep in a big, comfortable bed with my wife. <laughs> ah, fuck off. <laughs> Gurry, get in here and break up with this guy. <laughs> But uh, there's a scene where he's like, oh, I know one of you is a, is a traitor, and we're going to go through the, r- the room and list all of you and mention how most of you wouldn't be traitors, and then kill off Green the Human. Yeah. There's great art of Green the Human in here, by the way. He kind of looks like if Mixia's Spitlick was a normal adult man. <laughs> um, if you were curious, there's, there's art of almost everybody from Shadows of the Empire. Does that mean that that dude has a bowler? Uh, he looks like he ought to have a bowler. I don't. I don't. I don't think he actually has one in the picture. Oh, boo! Um, there it goes. Cleezo was the roadie in here. Here's the picture of Green, and you can tell me for yourself. He he really. I mean, I you're mean, not I'm, wrong, right? He's got hair sticking out to the sides. He kind of looks like also like a grown up adult version of the bad guy from the first Wreck It Ralph movie. Ah, he's just got that that big head clown man suspenders look. Oh, yeah, King Candy. That's who you're talking about. Uh, yes. Because I, I couldn't remember. I was I like, there was a bad guy in that? <laughs> yeah, there was a bad guy. He he cut Vanellope von Schweetz's uh, memory from the game and left That's her a glitchy right. mess. <laughs> he was King Candy. <laughs> yeah. They decided to go with a Mad Hatter voice for some reason. I'm Krita the Clanthar. Uh, but anyway, there's a whole... That's true. They totally did a Mad Hatter voice. Yes, that's just Mad Hatter. I don't know why. I, yeah. And it's Alan Tudyk, it's Alan Tudyk, Tudyk doing yeah. Yeah, So he was just like, oh, I'm just going to be the Mad Hatter for yeah. this. Yeah, don't try and stop me. <laughs> Fuck off. I'm Mad Hatter. Fuck off, Disney. I'm far too important to you. <laughs> Look, in two years, I'm going to be K2SO, and I'm going to blow your fucking minds. <laughs> anyway, um, there's there's a chapter in here that's just fiction about all the Vigos in an elevator on their way to that meeting. And man, that is a great little slice of life there. Yeah. And if you're one, I mean, there's like seven of them and they're all like, well, obviously he's pulling all of us in the room at the same time. That means someone's about to get killed. That's just how she's operates. So most of them are sitting there going like, I'm very secure in my position. I have not recently betrayed the grand <laughs> prince of the dark sun. Uh, I, of course, am far too unambitious to ever attempt such a thing. Things Vecker the Quarren. Uh, you know, they basically just cycle through their their character traits. And Green the Human's, like, looking over his shoulder trying to see if there's a camera back there. And he's like, I don't. I hope he didn't find out about me. I betrayed him, and I'll never say my own name backwards. <laughs> what would that even be? I guess just Nirg. Oh, no! The fifth ah! dimension for me! <laughs> no. 
damn you, Superman! <laughs> so basically, this book is more of an expansion to Shadows of the Empire, the book, than West End Games, the, the role-playing game. Well, what does it give you for a role-playing game from here? I mean, I have to assume Faleen are in here. Okay, so if you're looking for the actual crunch that's in the book, there's about... Maybe six things of new crunch. All right. Uh, the new th- the new crunch is does it does it give us the Star Viper? No, there's there's no oh, new boo. It, weirdly, there are almost no new vehicles in here. I was really kind of hoping the Star Viper would get stats. Um, and it you know what? Actually, it does. It, at the very very end, it has both the Star Viper and the special Virago version of the Star Viper. Uh, so I guess you can purchase them. There's like a there's a bestiary at the very end, but for ships. Yeah, a shipiary. Good. As, as those are known, as they are known. Yeah. Um. But for crunch for players, outside of a little gear section towards the very back, there is uh, the following species: Faleen. Yeah, check. Yes, that's good. And if you were wondering, John, are how all... does how does their nut stink work? Oh well, that's just a racial power they have. They have uh, a it... okay. So first of all, you have to remember that West End Game Star Wars works by building die pools, and everything's like a number of D's, which is D sixes. Oh yeah, everything's well, everything for Faleen is a number of D's. <laughs> nuts. nuts. Uh, <laughs> So uh. they can activate a pheromone ability. All of them have this power, yeah. uh, which gives them plus one D to persuasion rolls for each hour. That's just in general. But they can also meditate to increase the value of it up to a plus three persuasion die uh, bonus. Hmm. But they have to use that within an hour of the meditation for it to take effect. So you can't just spend your time getting stanky and then hope that you might need to do a persuasion thing later. I mean... I don't know. I pretty much just spend my time getting stanky. Yeah, but it doesn't give you huge persuasion bonuses, so. <laughs> doesn't it, though? <laughs> no. Aww. I mean, yes, a little. Yeah. I mean, if you mean by stanky, you mean your hair has a lovely apple scent. Oh, it's true. <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> I changed deodorant now, and it's kind of fruity as well. I'm just like a walking orchard. <laughs> I'm all mint these days. I've got tea tree oil. I'm doing mint, mint deodorant. I'm it's doing great. mint chocolate chip. And, and I'll tell you what. It's not helping. I still smell like a whale that died yesterday. <laughs> uh, okay, so so Faleen have two racial abilities. Uh, they, I mean, they have good stats across the... Every ga- race in this game has 12 dice to divide up amongst its various stats, so they, mm-hmm. they don't look more powerful than other races. I mean, they're not more colder or calculating or anything like that. Oh, that they don't have a higher intelligence yeah, or something? I, they do, but it comes at the cost of a lower, like, charisma, basically. Um, so the the Faleen have two abilities. One of them is the aforementioned hormone stink increasing. Yeah. And the other one is that they're all amphibious and they can breathe underwater. Huh. I had no idea. That never came up. Yeah, it didn't. I mean, uh, I, I would have assumed it did. Now, here's the other thing about the Faleen as a race in this book. Uh, you know how Shizor is kind of like a bored noble with a secret revenge fantasy who's ultra rich? And, yeah. Well, that's all of them. Good. That's, I'm glad that's... that they really stuck to their guns on any time you see an alien for the first time. That's what the whole species is. <laughs> this one, every once in a while you come across that where it doesn't make any fucking sense when you try and apply it to uh, the entire species. An entire planet of bored nobles. Who are they ruling over? <laughs> yeah, it's all chiefs. No, it's, it's, it's bad. It's a bad build. Um, the other species that are in here are Eti. Ah, the Wumdi. Wumdi the Eti, uh, who... I think that we have now said everything there is to say about Wumdi the Eddie in the, in, in the uh. actual novel. Uh, the Eddie are a near-human species, uh, so they're humans who are just a little bit weaker, and, and but they're much more fashion-forward and business-savvy. <laughs> Good. So They got a high fashion sense. They, they could not be especially less interesting, but they, they, the picture is just a picture of a kind of a, a wimpy-looking human. 
Oh, good. Uh, so, I, I mean, I have no, nothing much else I can even really tell you. Uh, I was really hoping an Eddie would be, like, weird looking. Their their special ability is just called Affinity for Business, and it's like at the time of character creation. And this is a common power that you see in uh, West End Game Star Wars, is uh, during character creation, each die you spend on a set of uh, skills buys you two dice instead. Uh. So that it works that way for like Wookies, which get some strength skills and so and so on. Uh, these guys get it for business skills. Mm. Uh, affinity for business is just during character creation, you spend a die on bureaucracy, business, bargaining, or uh, Belinda. No, last last one's value. Uh, bur- bureaucracy, business, bargaining, or value, uh, which the Eddies call the three Bs and a V. Um, then you get two dice instead of your one, and that that they're very very boring. Uh, the, the next one is another near human that was, that was indeed briefly mentioned in Shadows of the Empire, the Epicanthics. Oh yeah. Uh. So yeah, uh, their names are Zan and Zoo, uh, Pike, the Pike sisters. Okay. And they are only seen on TV in one early, early scene in Shadows of the Empire where she's, or cause as you'll, John, I'm sure you'll recall, she's or spends the entirety of the book watching TV screens and commenting. Oh Yeah. I mean, he is just a big goon. Yeah. He's like, what do you do? Oh, I just hang out in my room and watch TV, and I have Gurry go get me stuff. I may as well just call her mom. Yeah, yeah or like Amazon. Uh, there's, a, there's a little scene where where he watches two women in a bar fight on a little TV screen. He's like, yes, their exotic beauty is only matched by their deadly martial arts ability. I must have them. And Gary's uh, like, great, yeah, they're mercenaries, so I can go get them for you, I guess. And then they're never mentioned again. They're just called epicanthics, which hey now. I'm going to go ahead and guess is probably the most outwardly racist thing in Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, just in general, like, sure, there's a whole bunch of obvious racism in Star Wars here and there if you know where to look. But that one, just calling a whole species after the type of eyefold that Asian people have <laughs> Is I know it's not like you're like, and these are the Latinoids. You're like, <laughs> oh, please don't. I mean, that would almost be as bad. It'd be like I, I'm trying to think of a way I could even come up with a with a common racial characteristic. It'd be like if you called black people in Star Wars the sickle cell anemians. <laughs> uh, uh. So anyway, epicanthics are they're, okay. They're basically humans, but get this, John. They come from a place so far away and exotic that everyone tends to view them as an exotic type of person, and they have difficulty adjusting to modern life in the rest of the galaxy. Oh, are they from the far east of the galaxy? As it turns out, they're from what the rest of the galaxy calls the Orient. What? I'm kidding. That's not real. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I was willing to believe that. No, they're, they're actually from someplace called the Paycanth Reach, but they are from so far away than, from the galactic core that they might as well be, you know... Even alien or aliens. Great. So no one knows what to make of them, and they don't know what to make of anyone else. Uh, they get two dice for every one when spent on cultures, language, or value. And then they have a story factor, which I guess is just a weakness in West End games. And that one's called C- Galactic Naivete. Hmm. Uh, it says here that they make excellent wife ooze. <laughs> I'm sorry. It says that they their home world is so isolated, they are not especially familiar with galactic institutions outside of their sphere of influence. They often become overwhelmed with unfamiliar or fantastic surroundings from other worlds far from their own. Which is weird, given that they have a racial bonus to getting uh, 
culture, yeah. languages, and value no, skills. No, when you said that, I was yeah. like, wait a minute, but I thought their whole thing was not that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's almost like they didn't give a shit when they were writing this. <laughs> almost. Uh, the only other new species in here, uh, this is kind of a surprise because they are not in the book, is the Ubies. Ubies. So Ubies, you'd barely... Very vaguely remember, I'm guessing, John, as... Oh, yes, the Ubi-Doobies. As the Ubi-Doobies, uh, a gang of mystery-solving teenagers that roamed the world with a talking velociraptor. Yes, everybody remembers the old 40s cartoon, the Ubi-Doobies. Oof, the 40s? Yeah, I'm bringing it back to the 40s. <laughs> Hanna-Barbera started in the late 60s, you're killing me. I know. How am I going to make that orc? <laughs> <laughs> Figure it out. Yeah, I'm a little wisecrack as what I is. Also, the Velociraptor hadn't been discovered yet, so we're really having a hard time here. Oh, they were very ahead of their time. <laughs> what if there was a little turkey-like dinosaur, I ask? Yeah. And the answer is, it would solve crimes. It would definitely solve crimes. Crimes committed by the Nazis. <laughs> Nazi crimes. That's what we do. We solve Nazi we're crimes. We're the Ubi doobies which at this point still kind of sounds like something you'd say in a swing song. <laughs> So that's what we do. We sing swing music and solve crimes, and we got a turkey saurus. There you go. Mm -hmm. That's all makes sense. Everything makes perfect sense. Got though. it. In, got it in three. Do wop a do. <laughs> Jazz. <laughs> Zoot suits. Uh, so anyway, the Ubies you would very vaguely remember as the species that someone hosed out of an outfit so they could give Leia her bounty hunter disguise. Oh, it's the the helmet thing. Yeah, yeah. The, you remember that? Yeah, uh, yeah. Because she has a thermal detonator. That that outfit is the traditional armor of an Ubi's mercenary. Uh, Ubi's are so rare and so secretive that no one in the galaxy has ever, or as far as we know, has ever seen them outside of their armor. Yeah. Uh, and yet we have a suit of their armor spare lying around. Well, yeah. And also, it's the perfect thing to dress Leia up in because it's so unassuming. Well, no one's going to be like, oh, man, you don't look like an Ubi's. <laughs> and be like, I don't know the fuck you are. I guess that's true, but Ubi's are super rare, and plus they've got a crazy... You know, ultimately, I feel like if you had a galaxy of trillions and trillions of people, and there was like, there's this one species where no one even knows what the fuck they look like, I'd be like, there's got to be teams of people trying to find out. <laughs> there's going to be Space TMZ who's trying to get yeah. that. Hey, uh, can you take your helmet up for just a second for a picture, huh? 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 Uh, are the rumors that you look like a weird tentacle dog true? <laughs> No comment. Damn it. I'm just trying to have lunch. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there's actually, not only is there Ubies in the book, despite the fact that there were no Ubies in the court, in the book upon which this is based, there are two kinds of Ubies in here. Oh, yes. Ubies? Uh, mm -hmm. Ubies and Doobies. <laughs> and Doobies. <laughs> Obviously. No, there's like true Ubies, and then the other species of Ubies has like... <laughs> true Ubies and people dressed as Ubies. <sighs> okay, so... True Ubies are the ones that never left their home planet. Uh, the other no true Ubies. The other species left their home planet, settled somewhere else, but then became kind of feral and got because they got stranded. Wow. So they they spent years and they became like a like almost like a uh, like a sand people type culture, and then they're currently being reassimilated into regular Ubies culture. Weird. So you have true Ubies, and then the other species is called, and I'm going to try this, Urak Putsk. Ubies. Putzk. It's P-O-O-T-Z-C-K. Putzk. Putzk. Yarakaputzka. Ubies. Ubies. Uh, true Ubies have the following abilities. Uh, survival. They get a plus two die bonus to their survival skill. 
technical aptitude. They get the same two-for-one bonus, but only on technical skills. And type 2 atmosphere breathing. They need filters to not breathe or to breathe anywhere other than type 2 atmospheres. Hmm. All right. Yurakputsk Ubis gets just the increased stamina but lose the other two. All right. And there you go. That's it. That's all the new species they have in here. I was kind of hoping to see, uh, like, Nalroni. Remember Sprax? Well, I mean, do, do we get stats for the actual characters? Like, yes. we get a Guri stat line? Yes, we do. Yeah. Okay. We, I mean, most of this book is just stat lines for people at this time period. Oh, good. So, so we know what Dash Rendar's piloting skill is. Yeah, 8D. Uh, well, actually, there's several piloting skills under Dash Rendar because you can fly capital ships, fighter ships, and light freighters. Ooh. Uh, so, yeah, Dash gets a whole uh, whole situation. Also, there's a bit of short fiction where it's revealed that Dash's ship explosion was caused by... Uh, or not Dash. Dash's older brother's ship's explosion, which led to Dash Rendar being anti-empire. exiled. Yeah, in anti-empire. The explosion itself was sabotage caused by Black Sun under the direct directive of uh, Shizor. What? Yeah, so Shizor had Guri sneak on board Dash's brother's ship and plant explosives and mess with their navigational control so that it would crash into specifically some fairly large and important building on Coruscant. Uh, this was because, what are they called, Ren Travel, which is Rendar's travel company. Uh, uh, Re- yeah, Ren Travel was not willing to sell to XTS, which is the, the uh, legal shell company of, uh, of Black Sun. So in an attempt to scare them into either selling or giving up their, their shipping contracts, they killed a major scion of the house of Rendar through sabotage in a way that would specifically piss off the Emperor. Okay. So it's all connected. Ah, good. Mm-hmm. Other short stories are fun. There's one for how Guri, obviously Guri was built by some guy named Yungel, uh, who, I mean, that part's not obvious, but obvi- obviously she was built by someone because she's a magic war droid that costs 9 million credits. Obviously, Shizor's the kind of guy who's going to commission that and then send her to go kill the guy that made the droid. Well, yeah, because anytime he's like, ah, yes, I have the world's best gardener, and he wanted to leave, so I murdered him. Yeah, yeah. He's, okay, he's like, I, I, not only can I, do I have to have the best thing, I have to have the only thing. Yes. So he sends Guri right back to kill her own creator. Unfortunately, this dude's really good at making very lifelike droids. Oh, good. And so she <laughs> he, he pulls a LMD then? Uh-huh. I guess just because this book wanted there to be more Guris available to be running around out in the galaxy. So they're like, yeah, Guri gets sent back to kill her own creator, and she does. And it turns out that was another Guri droid, uh, and he's fine. Now he's going to go into hiding and make droids somewhere else. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. And then he's going to make lore and data. But the vast majority of the book is just stats for people who do not need stats. So you get right off the right off the beginning of the book. It's like here's Luke stats, Leia stats, Lando stats, Chewie, R two, C three PO, as they existed at this specific moment between the second and third movies of the original trilogy. Great. Uh, then we jump to the Empire. Here's Vader's stats. Here's uh, Vader's. Remember Vader's little man? Oh yeah, his little guy. His little guy. So we got stats for his little guy. We got stats for the the uh, people he was ordering around at the time like the the couple of generals and admirals yeah. that are mentioned in the book uh we get stats for the emperor then we do black sun we get all those stats we get stats for Koth milan uh everyone in wedge antilles squadron because there's one chapter about them wow which is just completely full of dumb little hints about what's going to happen it's like this guy Dix, he's a very brash pilot he needs to be careful because that may come back to bite him someday 
Uh, yeah, he, die, he dies in the in the book. Look, the only reason I have this book is because I've read Shadows of the Empire, obviously. Yeah. You don't need to start hinting at shit. Exactly. It's fine. Uh, this woman named Chief seems to have been chafing under the... Uh, the, the difficulty of living on this asteroid in the poor conditions. Perhaps she's looking for a way to get extra money. Maybe she wants to rascal something? Perhaps she could rascal a droid. Get rascaled. <laughs> uh, yeah, the thing about Shadows of the Empire was that there were like 10 million NPCs mm. in the book. You, know, you had to meet like Skatool. We get Skatool and her second in command. Those are the... Uh, the Barabelle bounty hunters that capture Luke for like a hot minute before Lando crashes a car into their house. Okay. Do we uh, get stats for Barabelles in general or no, just... I'm pretty sure Barabelles were co- must have been covered in some other book because right. you'd think they'd be in here. Yeah. I, the, the ones I'm like the most surprised about are Nalroni and Clanthar. Like if you're going to do Ed Etty, then then Kreta the Clanthar seems like a really obvious, like what some dude with hoses coming out of his face kind <laughs> some of dude. thing. Yeah, but uh, they must have been in some previous book. I guess. Yeah. Um... So no, I, the stats I told you, the, or the races I already mentioned, are the only ones we get like player character race write-ups for. Sweet. All we, right. Yeah, we also get stats for for Spiro the Hodin and uh, what's his name, the dude at the Benedict Vidcon. Remember him? The ah yes, yeah, the swamp. You know the, from Sherlock, su- Sewer Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Benedict, the the two Benedicts from uh, from the Doctor Strange movies. No, Benedict Vidcon was the dude who like led them through the sewers and then was summarily blasted for his troubles at the end or oh, something. Yeah. yeah. Uh it's just it's just that stuff. And then also expansions on every single place you go to in the Oh, like you know how you they spent a little time in that Rodian casino? What if there was a huge chapter all about Rodia and everything that's there? It's casinos. <laughs> Turns out. Uh-huh. Uh so there you have it. That was what was in the book. And even though I have now talked about it for 29 minutes running without stopping, I was worried that there wouldn't be anything for me to say about this book. <laughs> and so I therefore went and read two more books. Why would you do this? Digging for content. Well, I, I was really worried that this book only had like six player character facing things in it and we'd it'd be over. There's one I haven't even mentioned yet. They're the only new skill in the game that was added via this book is the martial art Teraz Kazi. Ooh. Now, Teros Kazi has sent, has been made famous by, you know, yeah, that, that's the martial art that uh, the Pike sisters were using in it, but also by the fact that there is a PlayStation 1 Star Wars fighting game called Star Wars Masters of Teros Kazi. Yeah. Which features precisely one Master of Teros Kazi. Which, I mean, it's much better than the old Super Nintendo game, Amateurs of Teros Kazi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the original Nintendo game, <laughs> Rank Beginners of Teros Kazi. <laughs> Huh. White belt. Horse punch. <laughs> Everyone's just doing horse punch. I keep telling you, it's called horse stance. Uh, <laughs> horse punch. Punch this horse. <laughs> What's a horse? We're in Star Wars. So Taras Kazi has been used on and on again, off again as the, the core martial art of Star Wars. It's like the karate. Uh, we, we've seen other characters mentioned as having had it in the EU at this point. Uh, in this book, we get the stats for how it works. Like I mentioned earlier, Weg Star Wars works by assembling die pools and rolling like you know set, the, somewhere between three and ten d d sixes. Yeah, uh, Teras Kazi, you need to. It's an expansion you buy for brawling that adds additional dice that you have to roll as a grouping when you're using Teras Kazi. Notably, Teras Kazi cannot be used in the same turn as any defensive action. If you want to use martial arts on people in this game, you have to go all in. All right. And the thing that makes it special is you can split your die pool, but only to take dice away from accuracy and move them over to damage. Well, I mean, given that you can't 
defend. I suppose this is just the I want to murder a dude with my fist. Then it's basically the the martial art for I want I like to fight guys that have no defense. And I want to kill them fast. Like if you're, what are we fighting? I guess it's like an elephant or something where it's real easy to hit. Yeah, but it's fight an elephant. <laughs> you know, one of them Star Wars elephants. You know, mm-hmm. elephants. I think they're called uh, banthas. Wamp- well, banthas, wampas, banth wampas. Yeah, if you're punching banthas, where you're never going to miss, this is perfect because you can move more dice over to damage, so it'll actually be effective against them. Great, and that's it. That's Teros Kazi. Sweet. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could talk about how I read Mutants Down Under and uh, Roadhogs from After the Bomb. I mean, I'm certainly that's what I'm going to use to make my bonus content character. <laughs> you know, fuck Weg. It takes less time, and I, I'm intimately for more, more familiar with it. But rather than do that, I, I will simply say that I read both of them and all their adventures, and they are hilarious and kind of racist. <laughs> Good. And then I will pass it over to you, because I'm really curious to hear what you read. Okay, so way back... We reviewed Don't Look Back, Terror is Never Far Behind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, a game re- with fat knife clowns in yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say you might remember that as the game of the fat knife clown. Uh, yeah, it's the, it's the game that spawned the fat knife clown joke that lasted with us for quite a while. Now, <laughs> the Don't Look Back that we have, I only found out after reading the supplement Giant Psychic Insects from Outer Space, mm-hmm. is the first edition, and this is a supplement for second edition. I did not know there was a second edition. There is, but thankfully, everything that they changed for second edition is mentioned in the supplement. Oh, useful. Yeah, so okay. I didn't even need to have the second edition. It was just like, oh, hey, uh, we made it so that instead of difficulty rating being DR, it's now just difficulty and DIF Okay. the shortened version. Uh, resolutions, or res, are now just rolls mm-hmm. good thank you uh and physical health is now called body and mental health has been named psyche okay you would think that the number one thing they want to fix i mean because i only remember like two things about don't look back one of them is the fat knife clown the other is that the basic resolution mechanic was just bananas nope basic resolution mechanic intact all, with all that decimal point and positive and negative value for, and shit for those who do not remember oh my God, what no. the resolution system was for don't look back mm-hmm. you would have a stat anywhere from negative five to plus five mm-hmm. and then a difficulty anywhere from negative five to plus five and that would give you the number of dice you would roll uh and then you oh, would add it. a plus three onto the absolute value of whatever you had. Yep. So if you had a negative one and it was a negative two difficulty, you'd be at negative three, which would then just become three for the absolute value. Mm-hmm. You'd add three for six dice. But if you were in a negative value when you rolled, you had to take the three lowest dice. Mm-hmm. If you were at a positive value, you took the three highest. And what I guess zero counts as positive. Uh, you can't. can't oh, you're right. Ever can't do get zero. zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wouldn't make any sense. So uh, you get essentially sort of real bad, real quick because getting a high like bonus to something is pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
all the difficulties unless it's like, oh, this is super easy. Well, okay, well, I wouldn't be rolling for it then. Right, yeah. Like, the base <clears throat> difficulty for most stuff is, like, a minus two. Mm-hmm. So, at that point, Jesus, you gotta have a plus three at least before you're even remotely positive. <laughs> Jeez. Now, the game also had a thing called Karma, which mm-hmm. changed between editions. Okay. So, Karma before was mostly just a, I spend a point and it either, like, changes my stats for a one-to-one basis Mm -hmm. or lowers someone else's stats for a one-to-one basis. Uh, Now they changed it to actual die results. Oh, interesting. So, the game, you have to roll an 11 or better on your three dice in order to succeed. Yes. Which is fucking garbage I mean, because it's really unlikely to happen especially if you're rolling on a negative value or using the bottom of a set of dice oh yeah i'm still thinking can we can we even craft- if you just had a zero and got three dice you're like i'm still unlikely to get this yeah that's like a 45 percent chance can we can we craft an example real quick of, of a uh oh no we can't i can give you a way example though oh please <laughs> i would love to hear a way example thank you uh no oh nah. can, can i do it then sure yay Let's say I want to drive a car, and it's real easy to drive a car, but I'm real bad at it. Yeah. So I've got a negative two value, and the the difficulty for this is negative one. Okay. Uh, then I'm going to take the absolute value of, of negative two plus negative one, which is negative three, becomes absolute value three, add three dice, roll 66, because the, the original value was negative before I stripped it for, for, uh, for absolute value, I go to 66, drop three highest. Yes. So I evaluate only the bottom three rolls, then I t- or, or, to assemble the bottom three dice into a total, which I then compare against a chart of success difficulties. Well, you have to get 11 or better just to succeed, period. Yes, but it's still kind of a variable success yeah, track. 11 to 18 yeah. is your success variable. Right, okay. So, so yeah, that's basically how most resolution works in the game. Yeah. Uh so now they changed it so that karma is just you add to the roll after you see it. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying like, oh, before I roll, I'm going to try and like bump myself into the positive or whatever, you'd roll, see you got like a nine and go, all right, I spend two karma on it to bump it to 11 and then I succeed. More or less smart because otherwise people aren't going to spend karma unless they're literally trying to do something impossible. Yeah. Now, what they also put in is bad karma, which didn't exist in the first one and it's just... Did the GM not like how you were role-playing? Fuck you. Now he has a way to screw you. Ugh, great. One of the problems we ran into when, when talking about Don't Look Back was that it was so D- or GM-facing in terms of difficulty. Oh, yeah. You're not going to get anything done. And now they're like, hey, and also here's another thing. Great. Uh, now, the way abilities work, they did give you a few more in mm-hmm. this. Uh, you would get a baseline for most things that was a stat minus a number Mm -hmm. so if you didn't have any points in it like one of the new things in here that they apparently forgot to put in in the book is brawling brawling defaults to your fitness stat minus three okay wow uh because you know it's not barehanded fighting it's like barroom brawling so it's improvised weapons as well as punching a lot of pool cues and broken beer bottles and stuff okay yeah uh but then you can spend points into any skill and raise it up. Right. Uh, so they added in brawling, gossip, haggling, jury rigging, and musical instruments, which defaults to dexterity minus four. Wow. 
Well, if Everyone you don't know how to play a music me. instrument, then boy howdy, do you not. Why is it so hard? Well, I mean, okay, first of all, uh, this question I really want to ask, because you've done a great job diving right into the mechanics here, but Don't Look Back, Terror is Never Far Behind was a horror game, right? Yes. What is the supplement called again? Uh, this is Giant Psychic Insects from Outer Space. Okay, that's a, that's a, is it a sci-fi, is it like sci-fi horror then? Is it like yes. aliens and stuff? Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, so why is musical instrument suddenly in there? What What did that add to the game? that was missing that needed to be there to be about giant psychic insects. Um, there is a point. Mm -hmm. This book has the meat and potatoes of it is three adventures that are sort of tied together. If you want them to be. Yeah. And let me guess are the three of them one for one to various sci-fi movies. No. Oh man. I was all set for that. For the reason musical instruments are in the game is to be to reference close encounters of the third kind. Nope. It is because in the second adventure, if your PCs had not played the first adventure, the reason for them to be there is that they are looking for, uh, they heard that there was a, uh, a famous artist mm -hmm. that everyone thought was dead. That was there, but it's not Elvis. It's like, uh, like Dim Jorison. Oh, so it's a made-up guy. Okay. Oh, Jim Morrison. There right. you go. Yeah, sorry. Okay, as you were. Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess if you're like, oh yeah, my PC knows how to play guitar and he's really into the Jors or whatever the fuck their band is. <laughs> yeah, our 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 band, the Portals. Yeah, I. <laughs> They mention a, one of the famous songs on a jukebox in a place you can play is Come On Baby, Change My Tire. <laughs> For fuck's sake, that's yes. so bad. This book, the first, on look, the, bus. <laughs> the first Don't Look Back had kind of a... Dad? Well, it was kind of like, ooh, this is like cheesy horror. Yeah. This one goes full bananas like this is your dad okay well because that's the one thing i kind of remembered about don't look back was that it had a vaguely dumb joke tone to it okay the whole thing kind of felt like it was written by the the math teacher who thinks he's the fun math teacher yes and <laughs> this entire thing is just like oh man uh i gotta tell you the you're you're gonna find fun times in this one not like your your kids these days with their super serious games. No, you're gonna sit down and have fun instead of being a sad, grumpy man. I'm like, was this guy that pissed off about White Wolf? Like, <laughs> what was the problem? With I mean, this when guy? was this written? Was it? I mean, it's very clear that he is like White Wolf, okay. making games all serious. <laughs> No one ever actually takes those White Wolf games mega seriously outside of the LARPs, and even then, not really. Ugh. So the game also has two new disadvantages. One is weakness for publicity, so you're a media okay. hound. Okay, sure. The other one is manic depression. Oh, jeez. I'm sure. You know what? Actually, I, I'm sorry. I, I want to say here that I trust Don't Look Back, Terror is Never Far Behind, to appropriately handle an actual physical mental Ill or, and mental illness like manic depression Obviously. in a respectful way. Yes. You know, like normal manic depressives, from one moment to the next, the character can shift from being extremely positive and happy to incre incredibly negative and depressed. It's lots of fun against authority figures until they bring out the little white coat with the really, really long sleeves. Thanks, book. I mean, first of all, isn't that actually a description of bipolar disorder? Uh, 
That is manic depression. Oh, they're the same thing? I yes. thought they were two different things. <laughs> no, it is not. I, okay. I thought bipolar was its own. Is, is bipolar just the, 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 the new, currently accepted term for manic? Eh, it's both. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay. Fair enough. But the <laughs> manic depression is much more, you have long swings of whatever, mm-hmm. not so much like, I sit down Woo-hoo! and I'm super happy and then I'm like, oh, I'm sad. No, I'm not. <laughs> anyway. Uh, they also added in new mechanics for second edition. Okay. Uh, which is, you can now, before, you couldn't do multiple actions in a single round. Now you can. Mm-hmm. It just gives you a ridiculous penalty to do it. Of so course. it's like, oh yeah, your second action is now an additional minus five onto whatever you were doing. You're like, that, I can't. Great. There's no so, way. So in this very fun game that, uh, <laughs> that was already impossible, here's a way to make it worse. Yep. Uh, they added then, uh, automatic weapons, which is just, oh, it's a gun, but better. Don't add automatic weapons. Cause the way damage worked is anything would have a damage multiplier. So if you did like three damage, you'd have to then look at it and go, okay, but my weapons damage rating is 0.5. So I actually did 1.5 damage instead of three. Mm-hmm. But with burst damage, it's take that point five. How many shots did you fire? Multiply it by that. That's your new damage rating. Well, at least it's straightforward and just straight up better than regular guns. Because usually it's like, how many shots did you fire? Two of them will hit. And calculate that value and then work out the chance of hitting your friends. And No, it was just, oh, can you get a gun with automatic firing? Get it. Yeah. It's better. Normally, auto fire is like the worst part of any role-playing game I have to read. Because it's just like, here's three pages of this. Uh, they also added in drug damage, which deals damage to your psyche instead of your body. Okay. Now, the big thing this book adds is there is an entire chapter dedicated to these psychic insects. Okay. They are the Quavati. Uh, yeah, all right. The Quavati are sort of mantis-ish looking dudes mm-hmm. that are... Psychic bugs, mm-hmm. uh, their arms are pretty weak because they all have, like, telekinesis and telepathy, and they don't really use their physical bodies for much. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one big queen. If they want to populate a new planet, they send, like, a subsidiary queen out there. <laughs> there's one big queen. They call her Divine. <laughs> Uh, all the subsidiary queens are in charge of whatever, unless there's some huge decision, and then it has to go up the chain to the big queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Quavati are all basically not, I mean, kind of hive mind, but their whole thing is, oh, everything's for the hive. There okay. is no selfishness in Quavati society. Mm-hmm. And as well, no one cares if you read their thoughts, because everyone's just thinking, for the queen! <laughs> They're all just thinking about the wonderful card game for the queen. Indeed, all of them are like, let's play for the queen. <laughs> everyone try and pick the queen with the. I, I don't know how everyone else plays for the queen, but we always start our for the queen games with a queen draft. Yes. Uh, which I, I feel like is the right way to do it, because otherwise you'd always just pick the evil lich queen every time. <laughs> every time. Because she's so rad looking. Uh, but we start with a queen draft, and I always try to draft for the dog. Now, uh, they also have mind control, mm-hmm. which... <laughs> depends on if the victim is willing i.e. a weak-minded individual or religious fanatic is apparently willing Mm, obviously yeah 
<sighs> if there's one thing I'll say about religious fanatics, it's that they're willing. <laughs> they are willing to have people tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. That's just known. Yeah. <sighs> they have an entire thing on Quavati society mm-hmm. and how it works. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's all based on on holding your breath and running into the enemy camp and getting a ball and running back with it before they stop you. What? Is that... Okay, is that joke too obscure for... I have no idea what you're talking about so, right now. Oh, man. I'm talking about one of the greatest sports in all of India, Kabaddi. Oh, Kabaddi. Okay. Yeah, that's the joke. Yes. That's the joke. Yes, that's right. <laughs> A giant psychic alien has to run across the field going, Kabaddi, 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 Kabaddi. <laughs> that's why you can't read their minds. <laughs> uh, okay. It then also gives you the classes. So you've got stats for queens breeders hmm. uh size text so- <laughs> the pilots enforcers drones there's all sorts of different stat lines and specialties and whatnot i'm gonna be honest you were like it has stats for queen the breeders <laughs> <laughs> the flaming lips <laughs> elasticas it's just got it all it's got everything <laughs> that's why you needed the musical instrument skill exactly it then gives you a breakdown of their technology, of like nerve disruptors and molecular agitators. They've got like all of this nonsense, and uh, it tells you about their spacecraft. And I'm going to go ahead and give you a spoiler right here. The Quavati show up in the last paragraph of the last adventure and are not involved in any way. <laughs> They give you an entire chapter of this book dedicated to them, and then they're like, oh, yeah, the thing you play does not matter with them at all. That's amazing. Uh, the one thing that matters is the Quavati have invented microids mm-hmm. that are, there are two different kinds. Little tiny hemorrhoids. There's tech microids, mm-hmm. and if they get into any tech thing, they have like an AI that just goes, how can we improve this? Okay. So if they get into, like, a car, they'll make it more fuel efficient, they'll make it faster, they'll just, like, go around recreating the car to make it better. Okay. And they use that for, like, all of their technology, so they'll be like, I invented a thing. It kind of sucks. Anyway, here's my AI little mites, and they make it cool. <laughs> I invented this this metal lump. Here you go, mites, and they have to figure out what it's for. You do it. <laughs> you do all the stuff. What is this lump? I don't even... What was the intended purpose I made of- it rounder is that what you wanted (laughs) we put it in the trash for you (laughs) Uh, we put it right on the fridge we increased its efficiency a thousandfold by throwing it away uh now the other thing they have which is the major macguffin for all three stories Mm -hmm. is biomicroids and the biomicroids are essentially their little nano doctor things okay so if they get injured or sick or whatever, they have just these little microids in their blood that go out and fix everything. Okay. If it gets on a human, it will attempt to basically turn them into a bug. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. But it starts out and you're Perhaps like, they'll wake up and be a cockroach? Uh, I mean, eventually. Yeah. Because it starts out and you're like, what happens? Oh, day one, you crave raw meat. Oh, okay. Because the insects all eat meat. All right. Yeah. Uh, and then you'll begin to understand what people are thinking, and you gain mind reading at a minus two skill. Okay. And so on, and it just goes, and then they're like, I feel like I already have mind reading at a minus two level. 
<laughs> like just right now. Like I could just look at you and be like, yeah, you're thinking about how you wish I'd stop talking so you could finish this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, eventually you start getting stronger, but your skin turns gray. Your hair becomes coarse. You get cloudy eyes. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you get like telekinesis and at about nine or 10 days, you spin a cocoon. And then you, when you get out, you are now like a bug eyed, weird version of a human mm-hmm. that had all the memories of whatever the Quavati's blood that had the microids in it that got on you. Uh, okay. Uploaded into your brain. So now you're sort of like a human hybrid with memories from a dead Quavati and also your own brain. Okay. And do you immediately also pick up the whole for the hive personality traits and uh kind of like you you get all the knowledge, you understand their philosophy and everything, so you you kind of I it doesn't give you any sort of rules for okay, but what happens when that happens? Like is my character done? Do I now have some weird role playing thing where I'm fighting with myself or no, it just says, yeah, now you got these memories and stuff. Anyway, bye. Okay. Thank you for that. But I'm guessing the MacGuffin is never that the player characters get infected with these things. But rather- Oh, you can. Oh, okay. Don't you worry about that. All right. Good to know. Uh, <laughs> that also adds in a entire like special agency thing called NerdCo. Uh. Yep. And NerdCo is going to be- Pretty much like the, like, men in black scientist guys who come and get you. But the entire... We're putting a special initiative together. It's called NerdCo. It's for people who understand that 2D waifus are way better than 3D women. (laughs) It's the New England Research and Development Company. Oh, okay, sure. Why not? NerdCo. Now, the actual... (sighs) The fucking story itself for the adventure... Part one is essentially nothing. It is, all right, if you want to do part one, you may cry. (laughs) You must look outside. You may cry. If you wish. (laughs) The first thing is just, what is this? Oh, you uh, established that all the characters have been abducted. Mm -hmm. They've been abducted before, and... There is, while they're there, they're all in, like, stasis pods, Mm -hmm. and the ship crashes while they're in the stasis pods, so the crash kills all the Quavati, but everyone in the stasis pods was fine. Okay. But you get out, there was one, (laughs) there's an NPC who's a sexy blonde lady. Ugh. The thing, I keep getting this game mixed up with a different horror comedy game we reviewed a while back in my head. Yeah, the, uh, the... 13 yeah the the, the horror movie b movie game it had like a way too long of a name Uh uh-huh yeah so the rpg 13 system thank you thank you uh but no this added in an npc sexy lady specifically so she can be the one who gets infected with microid blood okay but the entire adventure is you wake up what do you do and it's like do you search around the ship or leave through the obvious exit. If you search around the ship, you might find, like, a photon gun. Mm-hmm. If you don't, then you go outside and then helicopters show up and you can either leave with a dude in his pickup truck or not. 
That's the adventure. That's the whole adventure. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, okay, well, I choose to remain on the ship. I'm going to try and resurrect Superman by dropping a box into some goop. Oh, you drop a box into the goop. The box is now way more efficient. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this mother box has become a three mother's box. <laughs> ah, yes, mother's box. Mm-hmm. It's become a mother's box. <laughs> If you put more than one mother box together, you get a mother's ball. <laughs> yeah, you get a Mark mother's ball. Yeah, and then he's and then he whips it. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Adventure number two mm. is if you were still in adventure number one, where you crash landed is outside a little town in Ohio that sucks ass. With, but I repeat myself. Uh, I'm sorry. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the whole thing there is all right. Now you're just dealing with. People start getting infected with this blood because it's like, oh, the sexy lady infects the dude with the pickup truck. Mm -hmm. The dude with the pickup truck infects some, like, farmer's wife. Mm -hmm. And then it's just a list of who gets infected in what order. There is nothing for you to do here. The entire (laughs) adventure... happens whether or not you involve yourself. Oh, yeah. The entire adventure is like... And now looking over at the PCs, they can... I don't know. They can, like... Talk to people, I guess. <laughs> What's the infection vector? Uh, it is blood. Blood is how is she how getting you... blood on pickup truck, man? Because she's covered in Quavati blood. Oh, okay. she was the one outside the chamber, so she is like head to toe Quavati blood. Okay, and then obviously, dude in pickup truck is like, hey, basically naked hot chick, come with me, and gets the blood on him as well. Okay. But, I, I mean, that means that you'd have two people with the same memories uploaded, and that's got to get weird, but that never gets mentioned. Yeah, yeah. And she's naked, you say? Uh, mostly. Okay, fair enough. I mean, I'm sure she's in, like... Does she have a scrap of fabric covering yeah, her nipples? Yeah, she's got, like, st- strips of cloth or yeah, some of shit. Of course, yeah. Short shorts and her hair, she has that kind of perfect boob-covering hair. <laughs> so, uh, the rest of the town just starts getting weird mm-hmm. and the re- the way the rest of the town gets infected is one of the guys in town uh is like an old hermit and mm-hmm. he finds some dead quavati and sells it to big al's diner for meat because normally <sighs> he goes hunting and he's like oh yeah i give him like venison and stuff right but in this he's just like oh i took a thorax of an obvious giant alien and was like here use this and <laughs> indeed he does i love the notion that that's in, like they're like yeah no questions asked yep. what, what do you got there a big weird thorax full of pulsing gray meat yeah we'll make burgers out of this no problem and that is exactly what it says yeah big al takes it grinds it up and doesn't care yeah good great why not just sell him like yoga mats at that point She'd be like yeah i took this off a big flat deer <laughs> uh so yes that's how we do out here in small town ohio i don't know which small town ohio city it is specifically is it stimpsburg <laughs> dunk dungus ah uh, yes fuck water <laughs> parsons milson's darson's ass uh, it is Weilersville, or Wheelersville, W-E-I-L. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> the other thing is, the crash site, in case you were one of the people there, uh, Nerdco sets up an entire, like, fake logging operation there in the woods where you crashed to recover the ship. Okay. <sighs> if the PCs try and get in there, it has, like, 12 different ways that they just get killed. Okay. They're like, oh, and there's all these dogs and lights. They've got the highest tech security system. If anyone goes past this limit, they'll be shot. 
You're like, yeah. Okay, so what is this doing in the adventure? Fake loggers kill you with chainsaws. Oh, if if you manage to get near it and you look in the window, you'll see the like camp is just full of guys in black suits. You're like, okay, sure. <laughs> Does this? You're pretty fa- sure they're a ska band. <laughs> No, that would be guys in checker suits. <laughs> Fair. Well, their shoes are checkered anyway. And then their hats. Yeah, their shoes and hats are checkered. They're wearing plain black suits. They all seem to be sitting in one Cadillac for some reason. <laughs> uh, oh, things have gone horribly wrong, guys. <laughs> Rancid is here. Uh, and that adventure is basically you just watching this town devolve until either you also devolve and are taken away to Nerdco. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you figure out where they're going, or none of the above, and you don't do the third adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Third adventure is in NerdCo, and it's just like one of you, if you were infected, starts trying to contact the Quivati, and like a bunch of weird psychic phenomena happens in another town, which again is the PCs just being like, well, what can we do? Uh, Well, this thing happens in this bar. Yeah, but what do we do? Well, the news reports this thing in the bar. What are we doing? How is this an adventure and not just a story you're telling me? (laughs) Well, you can react to it. Oh, you could be like, ah, my character thinks that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) I choose to watch the television news story. Ah, very Ah, well. Okay, very good. Roll for that. Thank you. (laughs) You're at a minus five. (laughs) You you failed to watch it. You are infected by Cavati blood. (laughs) The... The end of the adventure is, if you have not been cured of the Quivati microids yet, the Quivati can take you back on their ship mm-hmm. and be like, hey, you're a weird hybrid. Let's do experiments on you. <laughs> hey, are you a weird hybrid? I am a weird hybrid. Let's be friends. It's, uh, it's <laughs> like I said, the end of the third adventure is just, oh, the Quivati basically invade NerdCo and try and take anyone who's still infected back with them. Okay. That's it. Okay. That's the end of the adventure. <laughs> you can try and f- fight against them or fight with them. Obviously, they are extremely susceptible to the uh, to musical instruments. Obviously. So. You show up and you've got a ukulele and they're like, nope, we'll leave that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, that guy's got a pool cue. Oh, no. <laughs> he knows barroom brawling. Ugh. I could not have been more amused by the fact that the adventures in this book are just hey this stuff happens you are not involved yeah it will play out exactly the way that i say it plays out no matter what you do yeah like the uh, the two uh, after the bomb supplements i i read through as well were like mostly just adventures and the adventures had the similar flair of this will play out whether or not you get involved yeah it's just what happens these two different things have a fight oh what what do i do you watched the fight. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I think my favorite thing, and I'm just going to say the one thing about After the Bomb so I can justify making it After the Bomb character <laughs> for the bonus content. Sure. Is my favorite thing about both the After the Bomb books I read, and I read Mutants Down Under and Roadhogs, uh, is that they do a thing where they introduce these the companies and the the major players in the part of the world that they're they're covering, uh, Central California and uh, Australia, respectively. Mm-hmm. Uh so they'll be like, oh, this is Anima Corp, and it's a whole company that does, like, mutant experiments on animals to learn things about them. Okay. Uh, so it gives you that, and then it gives you the full stat breakdown of the most important person in that organization. So they'll be like, Animal Corp is headed up by this tiger lady, and here's her stats. 
If you, it, it's like if you were trying to read about American society and it was like, so Amazon is super important, and here's how many hit points Jeff Bezos has. <laughs> well, I mean, if I want to kill Bezos, I got to know how many hit points he has. What's his foraging skill percentage? <laughs> It's like that is not relevant information. You're not gonna. It, it, it's so unlikely you're gonna get in a fight with this lady who runs a legitimate company. Ah, uh, love it. Uh, yeah, and it's it just repeats itself over and over again like that. It'll be like, uh, here's the stainless steel stallions. They're a horse based biker gang. Uh, here's the most important one of them in his stats. So, you, in case you wanted to know what his physical beauty was, good. Um, so, and you're like, why? Why aren't I more likely to fight like some of them on bikes and not like? their king no <laughs> obviously if you meet them you're gonna have to fight the leader of the pack <laughs> vroom, vroom. yeah honestly roadhogs is one of my favorite supplements for riffs it's only 40 or after the bomb it's only 40 pages long and it mostly is just a list of mutant animals and then two adventures uh, and the adventures are like the magnificent uh, the magnificent seven but prairie dogs and the other one is just like drive up to where the roadhogs live because roadhogs are like a pig-based biker gang that lives in Oregon yeah. and are mean, good. and you live in Central and Northern California, where good biker gangs are, who have ritual gang wars. You only uh. fight each other with clubs and chains. The weapons of the true noble biker, not the guns and, and uh, extra whips of the of the savage biker to the north. Great. Absolutely great. Yeah, yeah. And then the, uh, the only thing worth saying about the Australia book is... Uh, there is a two-page interview with a Aboriginal man, written both, both sides written by Kevin Simbita. Because the Aborigines are exceedingly happy that the the after the bomb events happen in the after the bomb world, the apocalypse is like all the machines melted, yeah, and all the humans started mutating into animals, yeah. And the Aborigines are like, perfect. That means Dreamtime has come back, and uh, now we're gonna do things our way. So there's this whole interview with a guy, like an Aboriginal guy, and they're like, so did you, why weren't you worried when all the machines started melting into the earth? And he's like, you hands in pockets men who came to our land with your sticks and your machines. He's like, oh no. Oh, good. Thanks, I, Kevin. No, don't, don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there you go. Those are, those are some supplements we did. Uh-huh. Now- we are going to make characters in these, mm -hmm. as we have mentioned before. If you go to patreon.com slash system mastery, you can hear us make characters for two different things. Will I have the brawling skill? Who knows? Mm, will I have the brawling skill? Probably. Riffs gives you, or wow, Palladium gives you lots and lots of skills. Yes. How about that? How about that? How about that? Patreon, 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 Pat Patreon. <laughs> Patron, Patreon patreon.com pa pa well it's patron though isn't it yeah i've got so many patrons it's not like i'm always telling people not to patronize me <laughs> yes if this was a site where people could patronize you for money then it would be patreon <laughs> <laughs> i mean if you want to go to the site where you can patronize me for money that's clips for sale <laughs> <laughs> uh i've got a just fans page mm -hmm. uh, i have a my free cam site where i do a webcam uh <laughs> And I just sit in there, and you can patronize me. And like, you can admonish me for whatever. Yeah, like like I'll sit there, and you can like turn on your own webcam and open a jar and hand it to my camera. And be like, <laughs> there you go. I don't think you had the strength to do that. And I'd be like, don't patronize me. Also, give me 50 tokens. <sighs> 
patreon.com slash system mastery is the website to go to to support us to get the bonus content for these system mastery episodes it's a dollar a dollar just a dollar why not come on board we are really really trying to hit that final goal we want that three thousand dollar per episode goal where we have to buy a pig we have to. Well, we, it was we, a promise was, we made, was, and by God, I, we shan't back down. Five and a half years ago, we made a joke that we would make an, that that uh, when the Patreon got started and successful, if we hit three thousand dollars, we'd have to buy a pig. This is because our initial goal was for six dollars, <laughs> uh, and we were like, "What if we made five hundred times that much?" Oh, there's no way. That's dumb. Ha ha. Well, now we're on the downslope and ma- rapidly going towards it. And I want to see it happen because I want to see if we can live up to a dumb joke that five years ago Jeff made. <laughs> can we? Can we? Can bo- we do it? Can a pig be bought? No. And please stop telling us that there's no such thing as micro pigs. We know that. And there's no mention of micro pigs in the, in the goal. <laughs> I mean, I do want a micro pig. I wish it existed. I, I would love it if they existed, too. But I know that micro pigs are just piglets. <laughs> They're just all right. Just little piglets. All right, but you can dress them up in a little raincoat and booties and give them ice cream. Yeah, or beer. It feels like every time we mention the pig goal, I get someone new to log- to join the Discord and send me a private message. It's like, hey, did you know there's no such thing as micro pigs? And I have to be like, yes, I never say micro pig except in response to these jokes. <laughs> We're getting a macro pig. We're getting a macro pig. Yeah, the biggest pig on the market. <laughs> the biggest fattest its head is like a shark's fin i want one of them fukushima grade radioactive death pigs <laughs> good okay so anyway that's that's the patreon john i think we have something else we wanted to talk about today oh yeah that's right mm-hmm. we do mm-hmm. and what's that that is my these nuts d- <laughs> <laughs> god damn it uh, <laughs> no uh the upcoming kickstarter kickstarter see of uh, a show, by, or I'm sorry, a uh, book by very good friends of ours that we have also played, an RPG that we have played and enjoyed with them. Yeah, Descent into Midnight is an RPG coming up uh, that, ooh, it is weird, but super interesting. It's weird in a way that appeals to me specifically, and probably a lot of other people, because I have a big old uh, love boner for weird shit from the ocean. Yeah, and the whole thing is like, hey... You know all of those documentaries about, like, the absolute bonkers nonsense that lives in the dark parts of the ocean? Mm-hmm. This is a game where you play that, except you're also, like, in a highly intelligent society and have cool powers and stuff. Yeah, no, it's 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 a PBTA-inspired game where you play as a variety of, of uh, playbooks that are uh, pretty well, uh, interestingly thought out. You have things like The Cultivator... Uh, the defender, people who are like like they they the roles make sense, and then you build yourself based around trivia about fascinating deep sea creatures, and you can do whatever the hell you want to. Mm-hmm. I was you can do whatever you want in this game, whatever you want. You won't last five minutes. <laughs> You're gonna come so fast playing in this Descent game. into Midnight. <laughs> <laughs> Doctors hate this one if, weird trick. If you have a jealous girlfriend, do not play Descent into Midnight. Come play Descent into Midnight, my lord. <laughs> Uh, that's worth 50 bucks. <laughs> no, but I think when, uh, we played, I was like a plesiosaur with also stomach tentacles. And I was this vampire squid that was an actual vampire. Yes. <laughs> an actual vampire like a, squid. Like an old Bell Lugosi. <laughs> yeah. You got like a little cape and everything. Blah. I want to suck your blood or whatever. Actually, I want to eat fallen, uh, uh, uh you know, ocean snow. <laughs> 
but also I can teleport. <laughs> and we had a society that was ruled by whales mm-hmm. for no reason. <laughs> the country. Yeah, it was great. Mm-hmm. No, the the level of like very weird and intersecting very interesting is great for this. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, not really to the same extent as you, but pretty much any time I hear any sort of deep sea fact, I'm like, this shit is buck wild and I love it. Yeah. Like, like uh, the, one of my favorites is the, uh, this, I, the, I can't remember the name of it at the moment, but there's a uh, an amphipod that lives in the medium deep sea ocean, which is 100% transparent when it's in water. Yeah. It is just the invisible amphipod. And when you see them out, out, out on land, you, when someone's holding one in your hand, you're like, that's a fucking giant see-through squid or, or a shrimp and I hate it. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> you're just like, that looks like a squirmy glass shrimp that's and the, I hate everything. That's, that's the kind of stuff I love. Yeah, that's my. I mean, I've been talking to the 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 people I'm I, I know best from the designers of Descent to Midnight are the two riches. You got Richard uh, Kurtz Landry and Rich Howard, um, and the two of them. I, I I follow them both on Twitter, and every time I, I they they talk, they're like, "Hey, I'm looking for weird fish," and I'm like, "Great, that's my I time to here. shine." Hello, <laughs> look at the blanket octopus. It's an octopus with a Superman cape. <laughs> And that's uh, I love that because it's like go find something crazy from the the ocean and then play it as opposed to just you know having fun looking at the pictures of it. Yeah, so that's uh, you can follow it now on mm-hmm. Kickstarter for Descent into Midnight. I think it goes live fifteenth of the fifteenth. Yeah, fifteenth yeah. of this month, February twenty twenty. Yeah, uh, I do not know the prices for the game off the top of my head, but I can tell you that I do plan to back it personally. And uh, do you want to announce the uh, the other thing? Sure, fire away. Uh, so. For our $5 and up donors, mm, yes, uh, we are going to have Richard and Rich on Afterthought for m- next month. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you've got the- questions for them about the game or just about weird ocean life in general, go ahead and kick that over to us on Discord. If you're an Afterthought subscriber, you know how to do it already. Uh, yep. Yeah, they're they're going to both be joining us. They'll they'll be along to talk about the game, uh, shoot the breeze like we always do, and just like we always do when we keep people on our uh, Afterthought show as guests, we make them stay around and answer all the dumb questions. Hell yeah. So get those questions in, my friends. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I think that's basically all the house cleaning we got for now. Yeah, I mean, I don't feel like talking about all our various merches and books and whatever. Yeah, that don't matter. That's, we don't need fine. to make money. Fuck that. You know what? <sighs> At this point, self-promotion I, is overplayed. I'm not even going to tell you. How come you people don't do any work of your own? For God's sake. For God's sake. Get out there and bootstrap yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you go find our book and buy it, for fuck's sake. I'm just saying. Uh, shouldn't have to be my job. <laughs> Educate yourself. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We'll see you real soon. Have a good week. Have a good week.